I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. When you think of -of out-of-home advertising, your mind probably drifts to the aging billboards you see passing by along the highway. And while those old-school relics do fall into the realm of -of out-of-home marketing, there's actually much more to it. Essentially, the term out-of-home advertising can be applied to anything that can be used as a marketing canvas. Mobile devices, Times Square, digital signage, you name it. And for marketers looking to optimize their ad spend and target specific audiences, out-of-home advertising has become a necessity. The notion of being able to attribute value to out-of-home exposure is something that is really driving that interest. The ability of the out-of-home media to actually deliver a very powerful amplification effect on other types of media, right? So we're creating this very diverse marketing mix where out-of-home is being introduced into digital paradigm. It is a very different type of media, but it has this tremendous effect of being able to double performance of display, mobile, CTV, etc. So that is obviously very, very attractive and very compelling for omni-channel and digital buyers. Meet Kate Goldbasser, the head of programmatic for AdQuick, which many believe is the easiest and most efficient way for marketers to buy outdoor advertising. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Kate dives into the intricacies of programmatic marketing, including why programmatic marketing is forcing the industry into a more measurable and effective type of advertising. Plus, Kate describes how AdQuick is bringing transparency to outdoor advertising. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey marketers, today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever, and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy, and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every-buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Kate. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Ian. Great to have you on the show. Excited to be chatting about AdQuick. We're going to talk about out of home a bunch today. We're going to talk about programmatic, uh, as that is your core responsibility here, and uh, and get into your background a little bit. So how did you get started in marketing? I started at the New York Times International in Paris in 2004, so a long time ago, um, when digital advertising was just very nascent. Um, And at the time, obviously, the New York Times is a newspaper, so the revenue was predominantly generated by print ad sales. But um, the company has already identified that need to really start developing digital capabilities early on. And education was a really important part of the process to transition print sales into digital. So I had this opportunity to be a part of the first digital team Um, And it was working on really amazing um, opportunities to develop ad products, but also evangelize them to the New York Times clients. And just looking in hindsight, (laughs) um, I can certainly draw a parallel between my my early experience in digital advertising and what I'm doing today, 
just a lot of different similarities between print publishers transitioning into digital and now out of home industry really shifting into digital slash programmatic advertising. Yeah. And so what does the head of programmatic mean at AdQuick? Um, yeah, it sounds like a very important role. And it is because as I said, it really is changing the landscape um, of, of the industry and pioneering um, just really an interesting shift into a much more measurable and effective type of advertising. Um, so my key responsibility is obviously to drive adoption of the programmatic digital out-of-home buying in general, but then also the usage of the AdQuick DSP. Um, and so for some of the listeners who are not familiar, what um, AdQuick DSP is, is a marketplace for buying and selling outdoor advertising. And just for us as a company, our mission is really to build a seamless operating system for any type of out-of-home. So we have also traditional buying, but I'm responsible for the um, AdQuick DSP that primarily automates buying and selling of the digital out-of-home inventory. So the core responsibility is obviously um, um, revenue generation and then um, evangelization of the new programmatic buying capabilities to the buyers. I'm also very much involved in the actual development of the DSP. Uh, we're working on some interesting measurement and attribution capabilities, so both on the kind of product and attribution side. Okay, so this is this is something near and dear to my heart, and I'm I'm endlessly fascinated with the advances in out of home, adding data to it. Uh, you know, obviously, you all focus on on helping people plan, buy, and measure out of home. This is one of the things that everybody loves to talk about, you know, hey, I bought the billboard. And I know that this is way more than just billboards. Um, but, you know, I bought the billboard. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it did. Adding data to out of home is is one of the um, huge opportunities for marker, marketers over the next decade. And really just like any type of, of, of non-data experience. So, um, how big is this? How important is this? Uh, what do you hear from marketers in terms of a desire to, uh, to solve this? Yeah. And if you look at the space in general, because historically, um, out of home space has always been an extremely isolated channel that has never been fully integrated into kind of a digital paradigm. And there are several reasons why it was happening because out of home is really inherently different type of media. Uh, where ads are actually delivered to masses versus an individual, right? So when we look at digital space, we're used to everything being so countable and measurable and we record every individual experience and we're able to attribute value to it. But out of home really is one-to-many type of advertising versus this one-to-one digital experience. And so what we're seeing is different formats, different ad serving um, kind of capabilities, and particularly different measurement standards, right? Very different from traditional digital advertising. Um, and I think that's sort of like where we have this a little bit, you know, of a disparity between um, the digital paradigm and the out of home space. But um, with the introduction of measurement capabilities, we're now able to look at the exposure to out-of-home ads, but also attribute value to it, right? So we know, for instance, that out-of-home ad has been viewed on this type of screen in this specific area, and it generated 
a certain conversion. It can be offline conversion or online conversion. So we're actually able to attribute value to it. And that's something that is very valuable for digital and omnichannel marketers. Yeah. You know, uh, and I know, and I know your, your, your founding team uh, were people that were kind of dealing with this as, as they were, as they were, you know, having problems with it. It's something we've all kind of tried to figure out and it's just so tough. And you ultimately just have to say, Hey, I just, I just kind of trust it. Now we're adding data into the mix and now we're adding programmatic. So what is the difference between like traditional programmatic and programmatic for, for out of home? Um, yeah. So I think the difference, really the core difference, it's a different type of media, right? So you have a mass media and you have a much more measurable um, individual exposure. And so there are certain nuances around traditional um, out of home being now plugged in, into this digital paradigm how do you measure impressions, right? That's the first very big question because your impression on an individual device screen is, you know, who it is being delivered to versus an impression that's being delivered, for instance, in Times Square area where you have a lot of people at the same time and you're essentially delivering that impression to all those people around the screen. So there is a notion of something we call impression multiplier. So that notion of an impression gets amplified and multiplied by the number of people that are located within the proximity of those screens. So there's, because of that nature of impression definition, there are just certain um, complexities or differences in terms of how those impression, uh, impressions get delivered. Um, so just the, uh, in terms of accountability, but then in terms of impact um, as well. And then obviously, if we look at measurability, so there are certain differences, um, how we measure digital ads and how we measure um, out-of-home ads. Again, everything comes back to that inherent nature of out-of-home, which is mass media uh, versus individual exposure in digital. So what are the different types of -of out-of-home? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Uh, I mean, a lot of people still associate out-of-home with um, just one type of -of out-of-home, which is um, traditional billboards. If you look at the space, um, there are just so many categories and different types of screens. Um, So if you look at it, we have two major categories. We have outdoor and indoor, and then the space can be divided into subcategories. Um, So you have billboards and spectaculars, obviously the probably most known category in the out-of-home space, but you also have um, transit ads. You have ads that are placed within specific locations. We call them um, place-based ads. And then you also have street furniture. So screens that are located within specific locations on the street in the pedestrian area. So you have um, those screens um, delivering different types of ads. So in each individual type also has subtypes. So right now in the out-of-home space, you have over 60 different types of screens, right? So it's very diverse. Uh, and the beauty of it is that you can actually leverage those types of screens for different campaign strategies. You can leverage them for delivering different KPIs. Um, some screens, for instance, um, that are located in doctor's offices or gyms, they have much higher dwell time. So they're great for delivering video messages with calls to action versus billboards. Um, They are great for 
brand awareness campaigns where you really clearly display the name of the brand, but the exposure is much shorter. So video ads are not necessarily recommended. So there's a really huge, huge diversity between the usage of those screens um, in campaign strategies. Um, yeah, and, and obviously the measurement um, capabilities are also tied to different types of screens as well. And so, you know, with with all of those different options, I mean, it's one of the things that that kind of programmatic started to solve for us, which was there are just so many options and it's hard to know which one to do. It's hard to know which ways to look at it. And if you didn't have the biggest, uh, you know, team running your programmatic, then, you know, it can potentially be even even more confusing. What kinds of companies are are looking to this uh, to this option? Yeah, it's a very diverse customer set. Um, and I think what we're seeing um, in general is definitely a change in perception of the out-of-home across um, primarily the brand marketers, but also on the agency side, because historically it's been really just an upper funnel type of media where you're essentially all you can do is place your ad on the billboard and hope that you'll drive brand awareness. But now with the introduction of all those dynamic ad serving capabilities, and then obviously the measurement capabilities, you have very different types of buyers that are now um, also interested in the space. So that, you know, particularly I, I would refer to performance marketers and then also digital buyers. Um, we're not even familiar with the fact that <laughs> out of home could be purchased programmatically and then can be measured, right? So the notion of being able to attribute value to out-of-home exposure is something that um, is really driving that interest. So we have those kind of more endemic buys who are used to measuring brand awareness um, and just place, placing static billboards and those new types of buys who all of a sudden turning to the out-of-home um, media, not just for brand awareness, upper funnel campaigns, but also for driving more performance-based buys and also there is another factor, which is the amplification effect, right? And that's been proven by a lot of research studies in, in the industry uh, is the ability of the out-of-home media to actually deliver a very powerful amplification effect on other types of media, right? So we're creating this very diverse marketing mix where out-of-home is being introduced into digital paradigm. It is a very different type of media but it has this tremendous effect of being able to double performance of display, mobile, CTV, et cetera. So um, that is obviously very, very attractive and very compelling for omnichannel and digital buyers. I think that uh, one of the reasons why like, this is so exciting for me is thinking about all of the type of screens that you mentioned that are not your just typical you know, a, a billboard or, or something in Times Square, thinking about the doctor's office, thinking about, you know, the back of the cab, thinking about, you know, the, like, like we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but the partnership that you all have with, with Lyft, just to add inventory that actually is in places where there's a lot of eyeballs. And like you said, there's opportunity for uh, for video, there's opportunity for longer types of, of storytelling potentially, there's, you know, extremely visually stimulating things. It's not reduced to the size of your phone. And it's not 
something that is, you know, someone staring at their phone. However, people are staring at their phones all the time, especially when they're on the bus, when they're on, uh, you know, different in the back of a cab or whatever it is. So how do, how do, um, how do you think about and, and, and track some of, uh, some of the ways that to assume that people are looking to think about like, how are people looking and how are people going to engage with this type of, uh, type of ad unit? Yeah, it, it's a very interesting point um, that you've just made. And I did want to mention it, particularly for obviously those listeners who come from a digital space, because we know that today we are we live in a device-centric environment, right? We have a very short um, attention span. And, and sometimes, you know, it just all starts to feel like all white noise with thousands of calls to action screaming at us on all our devices. So it's really hard to differentiate what's important and where you say it matters. Um, and so physical world with out-of-home advertising doesn't suffer from as much noise. So we know that there is still some kind of attraction in it. In it there's still some opportunity for us to really cut through the clutter and through this ad fatigue. Um, so I think that's really something that makes out of home very different. Um, and in terms of how we measure it, you know, we look at obviously there are metrics and digital like viewability and, you know, marketers trying to track our attention. Uh, we, we don't necessarily have um, those kind of measurement standards in the out of home space. And the reason for that is that, you know, sometimes it's purely just the size of it as well. Think big screens like digital billboards and Times Square. They really do offer a lot of room to execute really visually stunning ideas in a way that um, you could never match on a personal device. Even smaller digital out-of-home displays really offer kind of large canvas with great visual potential. And those, those ads are actually not skippable. They cannot be blocked. They're brand safe. They're also memorable because if you're around um, in, in, in a huge out-of-home display or even a medium-sized display, you're likely to see it and you're likely to pay attention. So that's, you know, when it comes to viewability, <laughs> it's just a kind of an inherent metric of the out-of-home space in general. Um, you cannot skip it you actually appreciate it because it's so different. It, it is in a very relevant contextual environment, which doesn't create conflict and cannot be blocked. So that's the kind of on the viewability side of things, but there are obviously a lot of metrics around how do you attribute, how do you define exposure in the space? How do you know that your ads were actually delivered and, and seen by potential customers? So obviously on the delivery side, that's where programmatic comes into equation because with programmatic technologies, you have the ability to have the exact log file. So you know exactly the timestamp and the Latin long of where your ads were delivered on each screen. And then on the exposure side, there are a lot of very interesting methodologies of how you define exposure. And in the out-of-home space, it all comes to, we call it kind of drawing a polygon around individual screens, and those polygons are very custom, so they depend on the size of the screen, the type of the screen, uh, the traffic in, in, the, um, in the proximity of the screen. And so within that polygon, we're able to identify the exposed mobile devices that 
were there at the time when the customer um, ad was delivered. So that's considered exposure. So it's pretty accurate. Oh, that's right. Wow, that's crazy. At an individual device level, right? So you know exactly who was there. It's all anonymized. So obviously no, no privacy issues there. We wouldn't be able to tell a phone number of that individual um, user, but we would be able to identify exposure and then using identity graphs and cross-device graphs, we'll be able to identify the audience profile of those potential customers and then use different amplification techniques such as retargeting or lookalike audience profiles to really capture and continue to kind of generate incremental um, exposure to those users. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's uh, that's really fascinating. I didn't I didn't know that 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 it kind of had that capability. So, what's um, how how frequent is that is that used for for like how much is is that sort of uh, the that polygon piece? Is it for for everything, or is it for only for certain pieces, or or how does that work? That's a very good question. We um, you know we look at the space today, and we just try to make it as measurable as possible. So. It's actually done um, for every single exposure. And when it comes to AdQuick, we have taken a very different approach to um, attribution. So for us, attribution is not just measuring and delivering results at the end of the campaign, but it is actually a very powerful optimization tool. So we measure exposure and attribution on a daily basis for every individual exposure. And so we productize this. So we have this um, essentially script running overnight and generating those exposures for every single campaign. And that's surfaced to uh, the marketers who access our platform in, in the form and shape of an analytics dashboard. So they can log into the analytics dashboard and they can track exposures and conversions on daily basis. But what's even more powerful is that they can look and segment the delivery, segment the conversion data, and then instantaneously optimize their buys. So if one of the markets is underperforming in terms of exposures and conversions, they can shift their budget. They can even segment it by ad type, by publisher, screen type, et cetera. So this, it really becomes something much more dynamic than the out-of-home space is used to. Let's talk KPIs. What are some of the KPIs that folks are looking for with, with this type of spend? Yeah, so if you look at the KPI space, um, obviously the traditional KPI measurement for, for out-of-home was lift and brand awareness. Um, and that's a very uh, kind of more legacy standard. With um, AdQuick, we actually have a more robust attribution uh, suite with different types of products. And we're able to measure KPIs across upper and mid funnel and then lower funnel. Um, so when it comes to upper funnel, obviously you still have this brand awareness, which is the intrinsic KPI that out of home is, is so powerful at driving, but you also have delivering that constant exposure. So now you can track exposure to out of home ads and you can report on it. Um, you can use it for your campaign optimization. When it comes to lower funnel, um, this is really where AdQuick shines. Um, so we've um, created the ability to, as I said, attribute online conversions to out-of-home exposure or attribute offline conversions to uh, out-of-home exposure. We also do 
um, different types of halo effect measurement. Um, so for instance, we're able to measure halo effect on paid social or paid search. Um, we can also track lift um, in, in sales, for instance, so using different attribution models. So all of a sudden, the space that used to be just pure upper funnel becomes much more measurable and also connected to omnichannel. So you can now attribute that value and then pass it on and essentially track it down the funnel across the rest of the exposure through other digital channels. So you also have on the on the website, our listeners can check out, go to adquake.com slash billboard dash cost, not an ad read, but just for, for funsies, go check it out. You have kind of like a, a, a billboard cost uh, and, and really just all outdoor media types tool there to, to check it out. And it's pretty rad. But I think part of part of the thing that is is so tough, I think, for advertisers to think about with not just with the KPIs, but with price is just comparing apples to apples, right? It's like we don't, you know, CPM and and uh, impressions and all these things are just like so different and dynamic now, like a like an impression on Instagram versus an impression on a billboard versus uh, you know an impression on a podcast. It, they're just so different now that still we're not really comparing apples to apples. So like, how do you, how do you think about those type of campaigns? Because it's, you know, even using this though, uh, you know, all, some of those legacy words just don't really necessarily, uh, you know, add up. That, that's a question I get asked most of the time by um, digital marketers saying, you know, is this channel cost efficient? What are the average CPMs? And sometimes they're used to paying very low CPMs um, in extremely commoditized space such as social or mobile. And I think when you look at the out-of-home space in general, obviously it's not apple-to-apple comparison between out-of-home pricing and digital pricing, but it still remains one of the most cost-efficient channels. So the medium CPM for out-of-home is around $5.00. And that's for traditional, for programmatic digital out of home space, the average CPM also ranges around six, um, six dollars, six or seven dollars. So it's it's fairly cheap compared to premium display formats, but it does deliver very powerful impact. It is a great brand awareness driver. It is a great um, lower funnel driver as well. So you know, I think the price point really. Um, comes into play when you look at the impact that those impressions are able to deliver. And now it is not just, as I said, the upper funnel um, KPI performance, but it is also across mid and lower funnel um, KPIs. Uh, And then another factor, which is critical for programmatic digital out of home, it becomes much more cost efficient because you can actually segment your campaigns. You can use day parting, for instance. So for us in traditional, you buy your campaign and you run it in four week um, increments. You have to pay for every single impression that is being delivered. With programmatic digital out of home, you can say, my audiences are not in those specific locations in the middle of the night. I do not want to broadcast my messages at 7 a.m. in the morning or at midnight, I want to segment my buy and only target 
specific parts of the day or specific days of the week where I know I can reach my, my target audience. So that's where you really optimize efficiencies. And at the end of the day, your net effective CPM um, becomes much lower because you're able to deliver uh, a much higher uh, return on ad spend or ROI. Taco Bell's buying all the ads from midnight to 2 a.m. <laughs> they want them all. <laughs> you know, you, you're talking about some of the lower funnel KPIs. Uh, can you get, can you just go a little deeper on some of the lower funnel stuff? Because I think that's super fascinating for this uh, for this opportunity because it's just historically just not been an area where you can target anything lower funnel. Yeah, and and we I think AdQuick as a company we are really changing a lot of trends in the space. Um, when you look at the lower funnel measurement, so you have those capabilities to obviously track and attribute value to exposure, and that can be if you look at, uh, for instance, different KPIs uh, when it comes to conversions. So you can have a conversion can be, for instance, a visit to a client's website. Or a conversion can be a download of an app, or a conversion can be, um, you know, a visitation of a physical location. So all those different events, we call them conversions. So they are directly attributed to the out-of-home exposure. We also have the ability to track lift and sales, for instance, right? So we look at kind of exposure data in specific markets that had out-of-home exposure, uh, and we look at um, control markets where there were no out-of-home campaigns. And we were able to analyze if we actually generated incremental lift in sales uh, and value of those sales by introducing out-of-home campaigns in specific markets. So we use different data attribution models there, but we were able to really attribute that incremental lift in, in, in sales. Um, so that these are all the lower funnel KPIs, something that we're also introducing into um, the AdQuick DSP is the ability to set CPA targets, so specific cost per action targets. And this is very appealing to digital marketers or omnichannel marketers because they have those CPA targets in the digital space. They know they wouldn't want to pay more than $10 for a specific conversion or specific acquisition. And so Within the DS, within the AdQuick DSP, we can allow those buyers to set their CPA targets. And what we'll do is, based on the historical exposure, conversion, and pricing data, we will be able to auto-optimize the selection of screens that will allow those marketers to get to those specific CPA targets. So it's 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 fully automated. There is no action on the marketer side, and we essentially optimize that on ongoing basis and allow them to reach those CPA targets. They can be adjusted in flight, so it's very dynamic. It is really based on the live bitstream data uh, and the pricing data that we get kind of based on the historicals. Yeah, that's rad. I, I didn't realize that. That's that's pretty, I mean, that's like music to the digital marketer's ears, right? If you can get closer to, as close as you can get to CPA, and being able to work a full funnel campaign, then I mean that's really been the thing that's always always been missing, you know, at the 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 uh, gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak, uh, of of out of home is if you can actually do CPA campaigns. So that's cool to hear. Do you have like robust targeting parameters on 
on audiences? Because it seems to me like, you know, you have, um, you're doing something in New York City and you're doing something in Wyoming. Um, obviously, you know, the we know demographic information based off of, you know, presumably what, what city that they would likely be in. But obviously, you know, in Manhattan, you have tons of tourists that are there, uh, potentially in Times Square. Uh, not right now, but you know, <laughs> in the future. Um, so how does, how does targeting work for this sort of things? How granular can you get on targeting? Yeah. And I think just from, from my perspective, audience targeting is probably one of the most game changing capabilities that was recently introduced into the out of home space, really with the introduction of the programmatic uh, kind of ad serving and it can really fundamentally change the nature of the out-of-home buys because instead of, and I often hear, well, can I just buy an individual screen? And that kind of comes more from legacy buyers who are just used to placing an ad on one specific billboard. But now with the audience targeting capabilities, marketers come to us and we can identify the screens that will have the highest propensity to reach their target audiences. And it's super valuable for like e-commerce brands that don't have a specific physical location. So they're just looking to target, for instance, their best converting audiences, regardless where they are across the country. So they come to us and they pretty much ask us, can you find my best converting audience uh, and identify the locations, markets, where we can find them and, and surface the screens that would have the highest propensity to reach those audiences. So we have a very powerful capability to build very blended audience profiles. And that kind of is spread across different types of um, audience parameters. It can be demographic, it can be behavioral, it can be purchase data. Uh, we have various partnerships with third parties who um, have access to that data. And what we allow our marketers to do is build blended audience profiles. So they can take a very holistic approach of that. And our system will surface the screens that have the highest propensity to reach those individuals. In addition to that, what we're also trying to do is add a layer, which we call intender audiences or web audiences. It is particularly important today because we know we don't necessarily go to physical locations, so we cannot be tracked using kind of more location-based data. Um, but with those intender web-based audiences, what we're able to do is identify individuals who, who, individuals who are searching for a specific term online, for a specific product, even specific type of content and then tie it to the real world and, and find those individuals who displayed that intender type of behavior. So all of a sudden you're really changing the paradigm. You're not just looking at historical data based on sales and based on visitation. You're actually finding those individuals even before they made any kind of purchase or went to any kind of location. Um, and that just becomes much more powerful because you're almost anticipating it and you're placing your ads even before they got to a specific store um, or as, as they're just searching for it or thinking about it. So Adquick just partnered with Lyft in Chicago and New York um, to manage Lyft's car top advertising inventory. And I think this is you know one of the obvious things that, that I think 
um, marketers saw as soon as you know Lyft and Uber and and uh, and all these all these companies came up that lots more opportunities for out of home. So how does that connect to like an overall programmatic strategy? Is that just essentially adding more inventory? Is there something like additional that marketers can look at from things like that uh, in these type of partnerships? Uh, or, or like why does why does this sort of thing matter? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a very interesting partnership, very unique in in many ways, um, because it really kind of gives us the ability to reach different types of audiences and reach them in a very unique way, um, because that inventory is very dynamically created, right? It's not a place-based inventory where you have a board and you place an ad. It is a real-time created, dynamic, organic, street-level inventory that's kind of generated by the actual usage uh, and the actual mobility in the real world. So that type of inventory is very appealing. And what we're seeing from marketers is very often they want to layer it on any traditional type of inventory and really have a very powerful combination of more traditional exposure and this new kind of much more dynamic ability to uh, reach audiences at a street level. And an additional capability, obviously, is that you can also leverage different types of kind of reporting. And, and as you as those um, cars circulate around the city, you can actually track it in real time. So that's, you know, obviously comes in play with programmatic. You can also measure effectiveness um, in real time and attribute exposures to lived ads. So, yeah, it becomes a very powerful type of media, which is much more dynamic and much more organically created than a place-based media. Any any favorite campaigns that that you've seen, uh, you know, that you've seen uh, work that people using using AdQuick or or otherwise? Yeah, I think those have um, there was a good example. I mean, there are numerous examples of kind of successful campaigns I've worked on recently, but the one that really stands out um, is a campaign we did for a fitness brand. Uh, that was promoting a new gym opening in Manhattan. Um, the interesting fact that <laughs> the campaign was actually running for um, just a couple of days at the end of December, targeting digital screens in close proximity to the newly opened Manhattan location. Obviously, we were in the midst of the pandemic and some gyms were predominantly closed in the city. And this was a very bold marketing move on the behalf of the brand um, which was pretty much riding on the fact that people tend to subscribe to the gym at the end of the year. Usually uh, it's a part of our aspirational New Year resolutions. Um, so what they decided to do is identify specific zip codes within the Manhattan area, which were in the close proximity to their locations, and then surface the screens that had the highest propensity of reach their audiences and really saturate the area with um, their branding uh, messages, which were video creatives um, on traditional street furniture screens, but also on top of ride chairs and taxi tops. So this is a very good example of how um, the brand was actually able to create a very powerful mix of different formats, including traditional exposure and this kind of more dynamic, organically created um, inventory. They had a fairly small budget, but as I said, they managed to saturate the area using day parting and using shorter exposure just during two days 
um, to deliver very impactful brand messaging. And they were able to increase brand awareness, but also most importantly, drive traffic to the new gym locations in Manhattan. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a great, uh, that's a great example. Um, shows really the power of, uh, of, of how that hyper-localized campaign can just, can really take off. Okay, let's get to our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Kate, are you ready? Yes. If you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? I would be doing um, probably um, creative optimization. What's creative optimization? It's um, aligning creative um, type with the brand messaging and aligning it with um, kind of audience, looking at the segmentation and the ability to drive business outcomes with um, different creative strategies. What is your favorite thing to do on a one-day getaway in and around New York City? Ride a bicycle. Any favorite uh, destinations? Downtown. Are you currently binging any podcasts or TV shows or, uh, or books or anything like that? I am listening to the latest Obama book, <laughs> which is like 22 hours on Audible. So I consider it's binging. Yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. Do you have a hidden talent or passion? I like diving with sharks. Oh, where's your favorite diving spot? Mexico, Cozumel. If you had one piece of advice for someone who's trying to break into the programmatic side of marketing, um, what would be your, your best advice? Don't think it's complicated. It's super simple. Interesting. Why do you say that? Because I've seen a lot of marketers overcomplexify the space with um, a lot of technicalities, but they're really the um, impetus of programmatic is to make it simple. So I always laugh at marketers who just make it super complicated with a lot of terminology because ultimately it is here to drive simplicity. Well said. Kate, that's it. For our listeners, go check out AdQuick uh, and, uh, and thanks again. Thank you. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.